Shopping habits are changing and department stores in particular find themselves up against it. BHS is no longer with us. Debenhams and House of Fraser plan to close shops in the months ahead. One pound in every three spent shopping is now spent online if you exclude food. Just five years ago, it was one pound in every six. The trend is clear and well-established. Traditional high street names are under pressure. The upheaval in retail is set to continue. What you just heard was an end-of-year report from Joel Hills at ITV highlighting how, according to the British Retail Consortium, 2019 was the worst year on record. It was the first year to show an overall decline in retail sales since they began monitoring the sector. And it was also the same year that the High Streets Task Force was set up to help local leaders revitalise high streets and town centres. I'm now joined by Professor Cathy Parker. And if we fast forward five years on, the latest ONS figures show that retail sales are still falling. How would you assess the scale of the challenge now, Cathy? Well, there's certainly still a challenge to make sure that high streets and town centres are not viewed merely as uh, revenue-generating assets for major retailers. Retail sales volumes have fallen. Yeah, you're right. But there's a cost-of-living crisis. So I think we need to get some perspective on this. Retail sales volumes last month were... Well, they were less than 3% down on the same time last year. And um, you know, people are worried. They're worried about paying their mortgage, about paying their rent. And I think the reason we hear so much about retail sales is, is the British Retail Consortium, who are representing major retail interests in this country. And they're not really happy unless we're all out in force, spending money, <laughs> ensuring their members have got double-digit sales growth. So in October, they blamed lower sales volumes on rainy weather. And the month before, they blamed lower sales volumes on the weather being too hot. So what I suppose I'm saying is just don't use retail sales as the only bellwether for the high street. Shops aren't the only attractors to, to, to high streets. People visit the town centres for lots and lots of different reasons uh, to socialise, exercise, to work. Um, access health and education. So I'm more interested in understanding whether a local centre meets these wider needs of the catchment. So obviously shops are important, but the challenge is actually a bit more complex than just looking at, you know, whether retail sales are going up or down. The high street offer absolutely has to be more than just shopping. Well, you've obviously got straight to the heart of the problem there, Cathy, um, and that is that we still see high streets as being too synonymous with just shopping, um, which clearly they're not anymore and probably haven't been for some time now. And against this, this backdrop, what is the role of the High Streets Task Force and, and why is it so important? Well, it's quite a simple role, I think, we have really as the High Street Task Force, and it's just to help people, local people, local businesses, bring about the change that they want to see on their local high street. So if, if they want a better retail offer, which many, many places do, then that's certainly possible. But the new businesses that, we, that we, we, we're seeing sort of improving the retail offer on high streets are much more likely to be smaller independents or pop-up shops or teenage markets. Um, it, it's, a different, it's a different type of, of, of retail offer. And, and I think, I think you, you, you know, you're right. I don't, I don't think high streets were ever just about, about shopping. And I'm not quite sure how we got into the position 
where that's that's all we thought they they they, they were and, and very much one type of retailer as well you know we, we didn't talk about the local family businesses and that we were we talk we talk about wilco or we talk about wh smith or you know hang There's on a minute yeah, yeah yeah there's always been you know most retailers have always been small not 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 large um so as part of our work for the high street task force going back to this point of like trying to help local people see the change uh, deliver the change that they want to see we analyzed over a hundred visions for high streets and every place is is different and I think that's something we forgot as well. We thought there was like a one answer to this. If only we had a Primark, if only we had mm. this or that. An off-the-shelf solution. Absolutely. So every place is different. Some towns have got really limited green space, so the ambition is to have more parks or parklets. Some places have got loads and loads of green space, uh, but they might, it might not feel safe. There's a problem with antisocial behaviour. So the focus there is on reducing that. So diagnosing the problems and identifying solutions and delivering action, um, that's, that's a sort of difference that has to be done locally. You can't, you can't, you can't do that from, you know, Whitehall or, um, you know, even, even the sort of like, you know, we think about the multiple retailers thinking about their portfolio, trying to run that from a head office in London. You know, unless you get into the places and work with the people, you, you can't you can't make those change ha, ha, those changes just won't happen the, the difference has to come locally by people and organizations that really have got skin in the game i think that's that's mm. another thing that we we really do as a high street task force is is sort of um help find the community organizations the businesses um and help them work together with the local council um, and the high streets, it's important because we help build those partnerships locally, but we also sort of legitimise the efforts of those partnerships. We're raising their status. We're showing how how much they can actually deliver. And then they are like a beacon for other high streets, you know, where they may be failing and things aren't happening as quick as we'd like, like change doesn't happen as quick as we'd like to see it happen. They can sort of that you know they can they can look to um places where you know we've got these partnerships working and and how much they achieve often with very little budget absolutely um and every town is changing you're quite you're quite you're quite right, right to to point out though that um they you know there's not a, a universal solution or, or 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 a silver bullet for all these towns they all need to find their own their own answers um what's distinctive and What's becoming clear is that some towns are much further ahead on this journey of, of adapting to those changes, much of which have been driven, obviously, by sort of technological change and changing consumer behaviour and people's need for different things post-pandemic, particularly around sort of leisure, food and drink, culture, education, housing, all of these things. But how, how has the task force helped towns to recognise the change journey that they need to get on quickly? Well, first of all, uh, we help build uh, capacity and capability to, to make these changes happen lo- locally. So the first thing we do initially when we visit a high street is we work with the local authority and help them identify other important players that need to be on the team, um, such as the local business improvement district, civic society, chamber of trade, you know any any sort of network or group of people locally 
um, that that should be part of a of 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 a partnership. If if one doesn't exist already, and you know a lot of places do already have partnerships, um, but they're not always you know there's there's maybe people working in silos a little bit, um. So we're trying to join things up, you know, so we we don't duplicate sort of effort. Um, that there's more synergies between the work of the council and the businesses and the community. And it's really important because we have to build this sort of capacity across a number of different types of organisations because local authorities, they can't transform high streets on, on their own. Um, and they never have, you know, that's never been their, their role. Uh, local authorities, you know, they, they don't run the businesses that attract the visitors. They don't produce a cultural offer. Um, they don't run the community organisations that care for people in the places. You know, that the, the, the role of local authorities, um, they have a planning role and they can be uh, fa- facilitate, you know, they can be very, very effective facilitators of change and action. And they can do very useful things like apply for funding from local government to, to invest in the local area, but they can't do it all. They can't do it all on their own. So, but, but if, Cathy, but if you were to, to ask people, who do they see as the, the custodian of place or who's who's responsible um for, for the for the state of the high street or for its its um its, its potential to improve most people would point to the council and when things go wrong they blame the council so how how do we get to a point where people start to see um high streets and place as the responsibility for more people than just the council because it feels to me as though we are often just looking through this through the lens of local government only. I think I think we are, um, and you know that. I'm, I, I, again, I'm not quite sure how we got into this into into this position, um, but it's never been you know the, the high streets. Lo- local authorities have never owned high streets. I mean, they might own some of the property on the high street. They've never been the made you know ma- ma- major landlord. And like I say, they don't run the businesses that that sort of activate the high street. So um the 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 answer you know we keep coming back to the same answer which is to create these partnerships where the local authority is an equal much more equal player in the partnership and i think that's perhaps been one of the problem is that local authorities because they have statutory responsibilities you know they they can sometimes be a little bit sort of risk risk averse for understandable reasons and that they have a very sort of um they have a a culture which is sometimes very much sort of checks and balances and so on it's public money after all but that doesn't always fit very well with the speed you know that businesses want to do things or things like you know the how much trust and goodwill there are in communities and how 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 that's a really important sort of resource. So you've sort of got this problem where you've got these these three different cultures. And you've got to try and get them together in a partnership, but you can't have anyone dominating. You know people have to go in there and sort of realise that the local authority has to be respectful of the role that the other players you know in the partnership, um that that their important role. And I, I suppose we just haven't really set any sort of rules for this. That's that's been one. You know, there's lots of rules about you know what 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 how how local authorities should sort of operate sort of fiscally, um and and what sort of their responsibilities are in other statutory services like planning and social services, but but nobody's really set out to sort of say what these place partnerships should do. 
um, and the sort of like the conduct and the, the sort of um, way people should behave to get the best out of best out of them. So I think the local authorities have been in quite a controlling sort of mindset for lots of understandable reasons. I think it's quite difficult for, for them to, to sometimes have that cultural shift and work more, more in, in a more collaborative way. You, you highlighted some really interesting tensions there, there, Cathy, and I just want to point as well to, to a recent survey in the Architects' Journal, which I, I think sort of <laughs> makes your point very well. Uh, it, it showed that 66% of local government placemaking professionals felt their team did not have the necessary bandwidth and skills to tackle their authority's strategic objectives. When you've got this huge skills gap around placemaking, then it, it, it's obvious, really, isn't it, that we need a, a different leadership model for towns to unlock their potential. And I suppose the question is, are councils ready for it? Well, our experience with the task force shows that, you know, it, some certainly are. Um, and and that gives gives us a lot of hope that if some councils can do it, all councils can do it. Um, but in other places, it, it's it's harder. For, for, for whatever reason, um, I think one of the problems or what, one of the challenges that local authorities face, they've had their budgets cut, you know, that's, uh, we, we, we know that. They're having to do uh, sort of more, more with less. And then their actual span of, of sort of like um, the, the number of high streets that they're responsible for, as well as, as, as we get more, more sort of... Um, um, local authority reorganisation, you tend to get larger local authorities that have more and more town centres and high streets. Um, and, you know, they've got less and less people. So that, that's difficult. You know, you've got, you've got a, maybe a planning and economic regeneration department in, in, a, in the council area's largest town. They may be responsible for another sort of six or seven smaller town centres. How often do any of the planning or economic regeneration officers, you know, how often can they actually get out and walk up and down the high streets of some of these other centres? And actually, if you want to make change happen, you know, and, and you really want to, to build trust and get partnerships going, you have to be visible. You have to go out there and talk to people and meet people. And that lack of capacity and bandwidth to deal with all these different centres is, 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 is manifesting itself in real tensions really and some, some of these are even kind of um you know boiling over into into the you know uh, 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 changes at the ballot box um for, for example we're seeing a number of towns i think you've seen it in bolton here in, where we are in manchester and also in berry um where there's been a growth of independence um i think this only this week it's been reported that you know independence in oxford are, are standing based around you know ltns and things but unless councils are, are, are really getting on top or feeling that they're you know are showing that they're addressing problems in in different district centers do, do, you, do you think we might see more of this in that uh, local people want to take um, matters into their own hands and we've seen perhaps a growth of independent parties wanting to tackle this yeah i think um i, I i've certainly uh, known of independent councillors have been elected you know as independents who have definitely been elected on place issues um and and you know probably perhaps it's sometimes a bit easier especially at local level these are ideology i'm not sure if ideology always comes into it you know when people are sort of worrying that their bins aren't getting collected or you know that that's that they, these are really sort of like local environmental sort of issues so so yes i think i think place you know we we are our major sort of 
political parties would do well to sort of think about how they um, resolve a sort of tension between place issues that matter to people and sort of party sort of ideology because you know it, it is important that places serve the needs of their communities and um, you know at whatever level that is whether you're you know you're you're asking your local councillor about things that are maybe you know street parking or you know LTNs or whatever that might be or you're you know concerned about the state of education and health health care at a, a regional level you know the, these are local issues to 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 you so yes i think um i i don't know if, if we'll see more in independence but i i would certainly be confident to say that the major political parties will have to become um much more um place sensitive I think in their development of their sort of like national mm. policy agendas. Absolutely. And all of this is taking place at the moment against a sort of backdrop which is, you know, increasingly bleak in the media. I mean the news is frequently full of stories around high street closures and obviously Wilco was a big story this year. But but I want to ask you, Cathy, about the the many positives that the task force is witnessing in towns that, that perhaps don't make the news. Um what are the some of some of the things that stand out for you as encouraging and important developments this year? Well, I think the you know one of one of the things when what happens you know when we we've got um you've got closures like the positive side of that is that you've actually got space to do something different and you know that's that's been an issue actually in high streets when we had low vacancy rates we had uh we didn't necessarily have a lot of innovation. And we certainly didn't have independent retailers and in, in, in the numbers that we do now. They really bring life to, to high streets and town centres. So I think the, the growth of sort of independent businesses and seeing them, you know, in, in far more premium sort of the, the, the sort of uh, retail space that would have been reserved for the, you know, the department stores and so on is a great, um, is, is a very positive development. So... You know, in Bristol, Sparks taking over the old Marks and Sparks building on Broadmead. It's four floors of different businesses, um, community organisations, all sorts of things, a space. It's dedicated to making, you know, helping Bristol um, um, achieve the United Nations Sustainability Development Goals. Now, you know, if you said to me five years ago that, um, you know, a prime retail sort of space like uh, Marks and Spencer's would um, would successfully, you know, change into, into this sort of quite eclectic mix of different types of organisations, but with this incredibly, you know, this this really really powerful vision to support the like the well being of people in Bristol, I wouldn't have really believed it, you know. So that's that's incredible. That's a massive change. It, it is fascinating, and, and another interesting development I just wanted to flag up is it's been the you know the Meanwell On initiative on Oxford Street, which offers free rent on Britain's most iconic shopping street for innovative up-and-coming businesses and, and, and some other organisations such as I think it's the Our Union Street in Aberdeen are trialling a similar initiative. Um, do you expect to see more interventionist measures like this on, on high streets where towns are looking to kind of positively curate a, a more um, creative and interesting high street offer? 
yeah, uh, we, 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 we will, and about time too. You know, I mean, shopping centres have been curating um, their offer, you, you know, for, for, for years and years and years. They, they you know, a shopping centre manager knows that visitor numbers, you know, they're, they're only going to attract visitors if they have a, a healthy mix of, of operators, not all the same, not all the same thing. Um, and also shopping centres have done things like, you know, offer very, very low rents or even no rents to their anchor t- tenants, you know, attract, attract the right business into your shopping centre um, and, you, and you generate footfall. So, so there's nothing new here. What, what's new is we're sort of like using some of those principles just in, on, on the high street. And it's a bit more complicated because unlike a shopping centre, which owns the whole building... Um, it's not like that usually on the high street. We've got you know got multiple owners, mm. <clears throat> um, so you can't you can't do things as easily. But it's not impossible. But it does feel like that old business model of um, you know long lease agreements, upward only rent, um, only looking at businesses with, with high covenant strength is is starting to kind of run out of road, and we're, we're being forced to take a much more experimental approach to the high street, and that that can only be a good thing, right? Yeah, it, it's, it's a good, it's definitely a good thing. And we've, you know, the, the reason it's happened, the reason the examples you've given in London and um, Aberdeen and, you know, this, with Sparks in Bristol is that we've, we've got, you know, we've got, we've got a new sort of new thinking in, in some of those property owners because we, we need them round the table as well in the partnerships. You know, it, it's like, it's, this is a complicated problem and we need lots of people <laughs> rolling up their sleeves locally to help tackle it. But, you know, if you've got local property owners, you've got businesses, you've got the local council, you've got community representatives and people that can activate and understand culture and heritage, you've got all those people working together, then... It really is possible, and any high street can be re- 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 regenerated. And there's a lot of new players sort of entering the field as well, isn't there? I mean, you, you alluded to community businesses there, and there's some great examples of communities taking over, um, you know, derelict buildings, repurposing empty buildings, or, or, or taking over the running of, of key local facilities. I, I've just seen in, in Cornwall uh, a, a, an amazing leisure centre which had been running at a loss by the council for years on end, I think almost like two decades. And it's now community owned, it's making a profit, it's seen massive increase in classes, it's doing lots of different things. And it does point to just, just basically introducing fresh thinking really into what was a bit of a jaded and stale model. Yeah, fr- fr- fresh thinking and also, you know, let, let's get some sort of support to, to, to these people and these partnerships because they're showing the initiative, they're taking the risk, they're doing the hard work. You know, they, but they do need some help. They might need some help in terms of sort of help advice and, and training and sort of things that we've been doing through the task force or, you know, some, some revenue support with like employing people to do some of the, you know, coordination type work or some marketing activity or helping with, with, with sort of, you know, security or whatever it is, cleaning and tidying up. I, I, don't, I don't know, but I don't want to sort of overburden the you know community it, it's um place leaders come from lots of different areas of, of society they might from business from the community but you know that they 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 still need help and support so i'd like to see more sort of 
more of the sort of like regeneration money um, that that sort of that that's made made available. More of it can go to supporting their efforts, and and less of it, you know, less on sort of capital, building new things, and more on, you know, supporting some of this sort of repurposing of space that's led by these incredibly enthusiastic and passionate people, but we can't expect them to do it all sort of on a complete shoestring without any support. Absolutely. And, and, and finally, as, as we go into what's going to be a general election year, I, I wondered if you'd just like to sort of underline why, how important placemaking should be seen in, in, in that kind of political agenda and why it should be, I suppose, perhaps a bit higher than it, than it sometimes is. I mean, placemaking is often seen as just, you know, a, a nice to have thing, really, and not really fully understood as a, 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 an essential component to, to make places uh, you know, better for people to live, to make um, communities where people are proud to live there, uh, to help create stronger identities and to, you know, create safer communities and um, places where everyone can grow up and realise their full potential. I think, you know, all, all political parties are going to be sort of talking, or they are already talking about, you know, more devolution um, and, you know, that's that's a positive development, but it doesn't really go far enough. The, the, the sort of devolution that I'd like to see, which will really make a difference to our places, is when, is when we get down to the level of partnerships, looking after and leading what, what, what's going on locally. And that, and that means quite a significant rebalance in terms of the sort of power relationships between not only national government and local authorities, but local authorities in their communities. And it's actually there that I think that the, that the most, uh, most work needs, needs, needs to be done. So I think any, any sort of... Um, and I'll be looking for, you know... Um, more of the types of policies you know that we've we've seen lately coming out of this government like the high street accelerators where they're you know forming or 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 um strengthening uh place-based partnerships in in actual high streets you know i think i think that's that's really the way forward um so de- devolution on its own doesn't go far enough it will only sort of take power from national government and sort of regionalize that more we then need to get <laughs> decision making down to the level of 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 individual high streets and 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 town centers and that i mean that's quite a um that's quite a big thing to ask for but it's the only way really to involve people in a more practical way than just you know voting um, every sort of five years or every three years or whatever they they they're doing at a local level, they they're not they're not getting involved enough. Um, you know, the the politics doesn't uh it does it doesn't it doesn't really do the heavy lifting that we need we need to do locally. That means everybody, if they care, really doing doing their bit. Absolutely, absolutely, Kathy. Great to talk to you. Thank you ever so much. Thank you.